Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Today I want to speak to you about discipline. Yes, um, every teenager's so excited right now. Um, because here's the deal, disciplining your child is a major part of raising your child. Disciplining your child is a major part of raising your child, and often we view discipline our kid as a negative thing when it doesn't have to be that way. In fact, our text for this message is going to be found in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11, and it says this, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Amen. Whether that's self-discipline, whether that's disciplining your kid or disciplining your aging parents, and like, you can't say that, mom and dad, right? Um, Whether that's disciplining your husband. Uh, Anyways, um, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. But later on, However, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace. Everybody say peace. Peace for those who have been trained by it. Righteousness and peace are come and are produced if your child has been disciplined. Every parent I know, every grandparent I know wants peace in their home, wants righteousness in their home. And if you are going to experience righteousness and peace, then discipline has to be part of the everyday occurrence in your home and in your family. So today, I want to talk to you about bar fights and mafia. Bar fights and mafia, and it's all going to make sense in just a little bit. Here's what I would tell you. Um, The simple truth about this message, where there's no discipline, there's no correction, and where there's no correction, there's no growth, right? And if we're going to see discipline happening into our homes and into our kids and into our grandkids, I will tell you, we've got to make sure that discipline is a regular occurrence in our homes. Um, in February, two, February 22nd, 2021, an OU receiver who was also a place kick holder named Spencer Jones got into a bar fight, right, with a fellow OU student named Walker Brown. Some of you, maybe you saw this video. I don't know if you saw it or not, but fight was all over the news. It's still on YouTube if you want to go back and look at it. And the football player named Spencer Jones, right, he's way bigger than the student Brown. And, and he's instigated the fight and is starting the fight and um, has all these... Can you guys hear that thumping really loud? Okay, um, can we have a staff member tell the kids to turn down the bass just a bit? I'm glad they're having fun, but I'm like trying to keep on rhythm, like going. Spencer Brown, like Brown downtown. Like I'm like, what's going on? Why is my head doing this as I'm preaching? Okay, so. And the problem was, some of you are like, please don't ever move your hips like that again. Um, some of you, maybe you found your new church home just now, right? Um, but, wow. Um, so Spencer Brown picks this fight with Walker, with, with Texas, Walker, Texas Ranger, um, with Walker Browns. 
Football player picks the fight with this regular student who's, who's not near as big as football player is. And he's like, okay, we got this. We're gonna fight. We're gonna do this. And this, this guy wipes his nose. Some of you have seen this video. And little did the football player know he picked a fight with this smaller guy who is an MMA fighter. Some of you are like, MMA, that sounds like a candy, like M&Ms. No, 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 it's mixed martial arts. And what happens is they get in a fight in a bar, in a men's bathroom of a bar, right? And the guy takes the football player down and just pummels him and almost, almost like makes him lose his eye because the fight was so bad and it went so wrong. And here's why I'm telling you this. The football player thought he was picking a fight with a regular Joe, right? He didn't realize the fight he was picking was not a fight he needed to engage with. He thought he was picking this fight when it was really this fight. And can I tell you, that's us as parents. Many times when it comes to raising our kids and when it comes to just living your life as a student or as a newly married uh, uh, couple, you think, well, this is the fight and this is what we're really engaged in and this is really what's happening. But you're in a fight you don't even realize you are in. And what I want us all to understand today is this, you're fighting a spiritual battle in this place. Every single person here today You are fighting a spiritual battle. Whether you want to be fighting that battle or not, you're in spiritual warfare. This goes for every one of us, students. You're in a spiritual warfare. Every day you get up, every day you walk on campus, you are in a spiritual fight for your soul. Every single person in this place, you're in a spiritual fight. You're not fighting the woke agenda, Republicans, Listen to me, all you left-leaning people, you're not fighting the Trump Republicans. Like, you're in a spiritual fight, not fighting against a political party today. In Ephesians chapter six, it says this, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor. This summer, we're gonna be doing a series on the armor of God. So you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. You won't be destroyed. You won't be, I just barely made it through that but you'll be standing firm. Hey, I was able to do it because I realized I was engaged in a spiritual fight. Now, let me stop here for just a second because there's some of us, we wanna say everything is a spiritual thing. And I know what I'm about to get into, but some of you are like, well, you know, I've had this tire for seven years and it finally blew and I've got a flat tire. The devil just has it in for me. No, you had a tire for seven years that has 120,000 miles on it. It's gonna blow, right? Like that's not the devil going after your tires. It's called preventative maintenance. So, so let's not say, oh, the, that, the devil made me do it. Bobby Buffet, right? Like we sound like water boy all of a sudden. Like, no, the devil didn't make, sometimes you're just stupid all on your own. And stupid shows up just all on your own, right? However, many of us, we don't want to realize and we don't want to recognize that we are in a spiritual fight. And hear me, parents, you are in spiritual warfare when it comes 
to raising your child. Every married couple, you're in a spiritual fight to have the best God-centered marriage you can have. John 10, 10 says this. Jesus says this about Satan. The thief's purse The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy, but my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Here's what Jesus is saying. He is letting you know what Satan's objective is. It is to steal, kill, and destroy everything in your life that God has for you. It is to destroy the will of God for your life. It is to destroy the purpose of God for your life. It is to destroy your marriage. It is to destroy your children. It is to destroy your finances. It is to destroy your health. And he said, I didn't come to destroy. I didn't come to keep you from that. I came to give you a rich and satisfying life. This is why I am here. And so here's what I want us parents to understand. It doesn't matter if you want to bother the enemy or not. Students, it doesn't matter if you want to be engaged in spiritual warfare or not. He has picked the fight and we've got to learn how to fight a spiritual fight because some of us, we've shown up with a knife to a gunfight. And we're not winning because we don't know how to fight spiritually. And the Bible says this, put on the whole armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. So if this is the case, then parents, we've got to parent from a biblical position, a spiritual position, and not a popular or trendy position. So understand this. The second point is this. The Bible has to be the foundation from where discipline comes. The Bible Not what is popular, not what is trendy, not what your other parent friends are doing. The Bible has to be the foundation from where your discipline comes from. The Bible is called the spirit of truth, the sword of the spirit, right? Like this is is useful. In fact, it says this in 2 Timothy. All scripture, everybody say all scripture. Is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true. We're gonna come back to that in just a second. And to make us realize what is wrong in our lives, it corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses the scripture. He uses the Bible to prepare and equip his people to do every good Work. If we are going to be engaged in spiritual warfare and in a spiritual fight, hear me, you've got to understand the Bible is one of the best tools you can use to raise your children. It is one of the best tools you can use, and it's got to be the basis, and it's got to be the foundation on where you are basing truth, on what you are basing right and wrong from, because here's the simple truth. We keep moving the goalposts, and we keep moving the line of what's acceptable and not acceptable, because we're parenting out of what is popular instead of what is biblical, and there's a better way for us to parent, and it is based on the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me, right? And there's a better way for you to parent and a more consistent way for you to parent, and it is based on the word of God. Gen Z stats. Um, The Gen Z is the generation that's born from 1995 to 2015. So if you're born from 1995 to 2015, um, you are in what they call the Gen Z. A couple of stats is this. They are the largest generation on earth. They outnumber us all, right? Right? They're the first digital natives, which means they've, there's never been a time that they haven't had technology in their hands. Some of you with grandkids, you are, 
like amazed by your two-year-old grandchild that they can just swipe the commercials off of the YouTube, right? They're just like, give me the, give me the video. I don't want this. There's never been a time they haven't had a cell phone in their hands, an iPad in their hands, right? Um, that, that's them. Only 9% of Gen Z call themselves engaged Christians. Less than 4% of Gen Zs are biblically literate, and they are the first generation to grow up in a post-Christian society. Here's what I want us to know. We have a generation that doesn't know the Bible, and here's why. Because we parents, we aren't using the Bible, we aren't reading the Bible, we aren't talking about the Bible, we aren't living our life based on the Bible and how the Bible tells us to live our lives out. And in the meantime, parents, we're getting mad at all the different Hollywood. We got mad at the Grammys. How dare they act like that? Can I tell you, Hollywood and the Grammys are going to act like sinners because that's what they are. So let's stop getting mad at society and culture for acting the way they are. Paul didn't get mad at Rome. Like he wasn't like, how dare Nero do this? How dare them? You know, he, this is where the culture they were in. We get mad at culture and Hollywood and we're getting mad at schools and how dare them not be the moral standard. That's not their job to set the moral standard. It's not the government's job to set the moral standard. It is your job to live your life based on the word. Talk about the word, live out the word and show them what the word of God looks like. And the reason our kids are biblically illiterate is because our parents aren't doing the job of living the scriptures out in front of them. We can get mad all we want, but you know what, parents? We're not doing the job God's called us to do. And we got to step up and be the people that God has called us to be. Psalms 119 verse 11 says this, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Can I tell you, you got to get in the word so the word gets in you. You got to get in the word so the word gets in you. Because you can't hide something that you don't possess. If you never go to the grocery store and buy ice cream, you can't go hide it in the outside fridge from the kids, right? You got to possess it in order to hide it so you can pull it out when you're ready for it. Can I tell you the Bible is the same way. If you never get into the word of God, you don't know how to apply the word of God because you have to have it in order to hide it. You got to possess it in order to hide it so that you can pull it out and you can apply it and you can use it when the time comes. And here's the great thing. Since we're talking about the Bible and the spiritual great, this generation's being taught that there's no absolute truth. This generation's being taught, well, this is it. Well, what's true for you doesn't necessarily mean it's true for me. Literally, the scripture said this, it teaches us, it, it is useful to teach us what is true. Can I tell you, this teaches your student what is true. If you're struggling with absolute truth, here's what Jesus knows. Thousands of years ago, this is how brilliant Jesus was. He knew you were going to struggle with absolute truth. He knew there was going to be a culture that struggled with absolute, and, and even the culture he was in was like, well, how do we know that's true? And Jesus said this in, in John chapter 14, verse six, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father, no one can experience eternal life except through the Son. Jesus is saying this, I'm not just a good idea, I'm not just a way of life, I am the way. Of life. I am the truth. I am the life. And it says this in Matthew chapter 7 anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. 
like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and floodwaters rise and the, wind, the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. What I love about this passage is this. Jesus is saying, hey, if you listen to my words and you build your life on my words, on my word, on the Bible, it doesn't mean that your life's gonna be exempt from problems. It doesn't mean that your life's gonna be exempt from storms. But when you go through those storms and you go through your problems, your life's gonna be standing because it was built on something solid and consistent. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is a fool. It's foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rain and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Here's the great thing. When we use this to be the foundation and the basis of our discipline is that it's consistent, it's true, and it teaches and equips you as a parent what to do, how to go, what's right from wrong, and it teaches your student what is true, how to go, what to do, and teaches them right from wrong, and it doesn't just stop there. It prepares you, and it prepares them for the very thing God has ahead for them. So here's what I would say. If you want uncommon kids, then parent in an uncommon way, right? Stop copying the culture that you live in, and if you want an uncommon kid, parent, I didn't say in a weird way, some of you just weird, like stop that, right? I don't know why my kids are weird. I can tell you right now why your kid's weird, because you're weird, <laughs> right? If you want uncommon kids, then parent in an uncommon way. So let, so let me leave you with this. Discipline has to be done based on a biblical foundation with consistency and wisdom, right? You can't just discipline every once in a while or when you feel like it. It's gotta be consistent and it's gotta be, instead of emotional, it needs to be wise. When I say disciplining your child, most of us automatically, instantly think of spanking, right? Like discipline your child. Oh, he's saying spank their butt. I grew up in a house that got, you got spanked. Um, like that's what I grew up with. And we'll get to there. I know there's a lot of feelings about this, so we'll get there. Hold on, hold on. But some of you had a really bad experience when it came to spankings, and, and hear me, I didn't have such a bad experience at my home. I had a bad experience in my daycare. I could write children's books called La Petite Academy, um, and it would be bestsellers, and I might. I might do it with my sister because we got stories. And there was a woman there at La Petite Academy called Merle, and Merle looked like she smoked 10 packets of cigarettes a day. I mean, just puffing and huffing and had the tinted glasses and her cheeks were sunk. She looked like a creepy Scooby-Doo character, right? Like, that's who she, and I called her Mean Merle. And um, Mean Merle would come in. She was like the enforcer of everybody. I hope you're watching this, Merle, because I'm talking about you on purpose. If I knew your last name, I would give it. Um, but she would come in at nap time, and if you weren't sleeping, she would slap the bottom of your feet because it didn't bruise. Or she would bite your fingernails. Yeah. It hurt. And I remember, I, I, got, I, I figured this out because I got in trouble all the time, right? And Merle's coming by and mean Merle's coming and I'm like, here she comes, coming to bite my fingernails. And I started learning to scratch my butt right before she came. <laughs> and I'd be like, 
Not that one, Merle, that one right there. Like, you bite that one, right? Like, how do you like me now, Merle? You know, I was like, here we go. I started learning. Some of us, <laughs> by fire with fire, or in my case, poop, but some of us had bad experiences growing up. You had a Merle, I get it. But hear me, some of you, since you had such a bad experience, you said, I'm not going to discipline. And here's the problem. It shows. Like everybody, oh, I don't discipline my child. Well, nobody knew. Wow, really? You've never said no. I could not tell. There's a new parent, parenting trend called yes parents. Uh, there's helicopter parents, they hover, lawnmower parents remove obstacles, but it's time to make room for the yes parents who take an entirely different approach to parenting. Parents who ascribe to the yes parenting movement don't believe in telling their children no. Instead, these parents go to great lengths to listen to what their kids want and then make it happen for them. So if their child wants to jump on the couch, the answer is yes. If their child doesn't want to go to school, the answer is yes. If the child wants to stay up late playing the Xbox, the answer is yes. If the child wants to shred their comforter to see what's inside, the answer is yes. So basically, yes, parents attempt to say yes to all their kids' requests. No request is too crazy or too out of line. And even when these parents need to say no in order to establish boundaries or keep their kids safe, they find another way of rephrasing the statement or redirecting their kids in order to avoid saying the word no. Here's what I would tell you. Yes is fun, but no brings peace, wisdom, and guidance. Yes is easy and makes you light, but hear me, no brings discipline and brings significance. And some of you, if we were going to be honest in this place and you're watching online, the reason you're not telling your kids no is because you're scared of your kids. Well, and I already feel the pushback. No, I'm not. I'm not scared of my kids. Yes, you are. Let's be honest, you're afraid of how they're gonna react. You're afraid they're not gonna like you. You're afraid you're not gonna be the cool parent. Here's the great thing. You're not called to be liked by your kids. You're not called to be the cool parent. You're called to be their parent. And if you are going to bring discipline to their life, you've got to use the word no. Proverbs 19 verse 18 says this, discipline your children while there is hope. Otherwise, you the parent... It's not the kid's fault. Otherwise, you will ruin their lives. You have a job, parents, to discipline them with biblical, a biblical foundation, and that brings no. No discipline is pleasant at the time. Remember what Hebrews said, but it yields a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who go through it. And some of you, you are ruining your kids. This is what grandparents get to do. They get to not say no. Parents, you have to say no. Otherwise, you are ruining their life. So what is discipline? In the Hebrew, it means correction. It means to chasten or to admonish. Now, I think we all understand what correction means, but what does it mean to chasten or admonish? Chastening means to correct by punishment. Admonish means to express warning or disapproval in a gentle but serious manner. So discipline involves all three. It's not just correction without consequences, and it's not consequences without direction, and there's times where you just need to admonish, you need to give a warning because you see the direction they're going, you're like, uh-uh, 
Now today, I'm gonna give you a warning and my eyes are getting big because you know I mean it, right? All these three things, correction, chastening, and admonishing is what the Bible is talking about when it's saying discipline. Proverbs 29 says, to discipline a child produces wisdom, but a mother is disgraced by an undisciplined child. Proverbs 29, 17, discipline your children and they will give you peace of mind and will make your heart glad. Discipline Spiritual, biblically-based discipline always yields fruit. It always yields fruit. So why wouldn't we do it? And here's where I think some of us miss it. Because we have to understand, discipline brings benefit, but reacting destroys. Discipline brings benefit, but reacting destroys. Some of you, you're reacting to your kids, and you call it discipline. There's a big difference. Some of you, you get mad and you get angry and you spank your child and you're like, well, I bet you they won't do that again. No, I bet you they will because you didn't take time to correct them and to admonish them. You're just chastising them. You're just bringing punishment without giving them a heart of understanding. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't spank your child. I think there is a season and a moment and a time for that. But that time runs out pretty quick, parents. Hear me, I remember my last spanking I ever got. I was 12 years old. My dad took me into the, to my bedroom. I did something stupid. I deserved it. I'm just gonna be honest. I deserved it. I can own it up, right? And he spanked me with a belt with Randy on the back of it. His name was on it like he was scared it was gonna get lost or somebody's gonna take it. He's like, you ready for this? I'm like, I'm ready. And I, I, I vowed I was not gonna cry. I wasn't gonna move. I wasn't gonna flinch. I was just gonna stare at him. And so I grab my bed and he starts whipping me and I just look at him. And he starts swinging harder. I just keep looking. And he gets out of breath and I just keep looking. He goes, and I'm like, is that all you got? And he kept going. And he walked out and he was out of breath and I didn't cry. And he goes, and now you're grounded two weeks on top of it. I'm like, that wasn't the deal. It was either spanking or grounded. You know, I was like, wait a second. Here's the deal, why? There's a season for everything. There's a season where spanking works, but can I tell you what I have found? Grounding was really, really effective. The problem is we've got iPad kids instead of Bible-holding kids, right? Oh, that's an iPad kid. Oh, that's an iPhone kid. How about putting the Word of God in their hands and putting some spiritual discipline in their hands that brings benefit? And so parents, to you, if you're angry, you need to wait to discipline because you never do anything wise while you're angry. You don't. I remember driving down Tulsa Hills the other day, about a year ago. There's a brand new BMW and a brand new Ford truck, and the lanes merge. And the Ford truck was speeding up while the BMW's speeding up, and the BMW driver and the Ford driver, I'm talking brand new cars, start just ramming into each other. And I'm speeding up so I can watch it all. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me right now. I mean, they lost their mind and I'm going, holy cow, you're kidding. And I mean, just going at it. I'm like, BMW, give it up. You ain't winning this, right? Like, I know it's a Ford and it's not a manly truck, but you're not winning this. Every Ford person's leaving right now. Who won? Neither one of them. Nobody benefited from that. They lost their minds. They got angry and they did something foolish. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 9. Control your temper for anger labels you a fool. 
James 1. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So parents, hear me. You have to be disciplined in your discipline for it to bring the spiritual benefit that you desire. You have to be self-disciplined and disciplined in your discipline for it to bring the spiritual benefit you desire. So let me give you a tip that a couple that mentors us helped us with when it came to this area. When it comes to disciplining, here's what I wanna leave you with. Determine your hills, communicate your hills, and die on those hills. Determine, communicate, and die. First one, determine your hills. Parents, if you're fighting over every little thing, you're worn out today. Because there's some things that don't matter. Who cares if he ate a strawberry Pop-Tart instead of a cinnamon one? Who cares? Like, why? But you're going to go in there. It's not why. I, I told you, strawberry's my favorite. Well, it might be his too. Who cares? It's a Pop-Tart. It's not making a difference in eternity's sake. This is not forming his character. I told you I was watching that on TV, and now, now I've got, I can't use my DVR to rewind. Who cares? You've watched Harry Potter 25,000 times. Who cares? Right? Did he say watch Harry Potter? <gasps> Man, like some of us, we're fighting over everything. And here's the problem. When you fight over everything, you don't have the energy to fight when it really matters. And your kids are tuning you out because, ah, oh, that's just dad being mad again. That's just mom nagging at me again. Just tell me what I'm doing wrong because everything is a hill. And everything, if everything's a hill, nothing's a hill. So you, as a mom and dad, if you're a single parent, it's a lot easier. You get to determine what your hills are. So let me give you my hills because people ask, well, well, give me an example. Some, our hills are this. Um, four hills. You're always going to tell the truth in our home because the alternative is lying, and we don't do liars. I hate lying. I don't do lying. So tell me the truth. Even if you think you're going to get in trouble and you want to tell me a lie, start with, Dad, I'm really scared to tell you this because I think I'm going to get in a lot of trouble, and I will just start, I will calm myself before you say it because I would rather you tell me a hard truth than lie to me because lying is easy in the moment, but it costs you in the long term. Second thing is this, we're gonna be a house that respects one another because the alternative is you're disrespecting me or your mama, and I can promise you, you ain't disrespecting me. You think I get big eyes and clap when I'm preaching. I get big eyes and clap if somebody's disrespecting me or Casey, right? We're gonna be a respectful house because I'm gonna treat you with respect, so you're gonna treat me with respect. We're gonna be thankful and appreciative because the alternative is you are a brat and you feel entitled. I'm not doing that. I'm not raising that person. The fourth one is this. We're gonna be passionate followers of Jesus. It means this, we're graves and that means we're gonna look different because we are different. And I want you to follow Jesus with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength, all you got in it. So once you establish those hills, you gotta communicate those hills. Second thing, Parents, it's not enough for you to know it. You gotta let your kids know it. You gotta communicate what your hills are so that they can know, but also this allows them to hear 
what and why. This is not you explaining yourself to your kids. This is you giving them what is truly a priority and important to you and why it's an important thing to you. This gives them a heart of understanding, right? Proverbs chapter four says this, listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get it, get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. Cherish her and she will exalt you and embrace her and she will honor you. Can I tell you, make sure that you communicate your heels to your kids before they screw up. Right, let them know, be proactive in this parents and let them know why because here's what's great is it gives them the why and it lets them understand, okay, this is why it's a big deal to you. I get it, I understand now. And you are allowing your child, your student to get a heart of understanding so that they can have a heart of understanding and they can live life in a wise way. The third thing is this, you die on that hill. You die, once you establish it parents, you die there. If they break it, they bought it. You die there. You win. You win the fight. You win the argument. Too many parents are checking out because it's a lot easier to check out than reinforce and enforce what the hills and what the rules are. Um, our, our, our leadership retreat we took this fall, we play a game called Mafia. And I'm closing with this. It's really hard for me to go short today. Um, and it's this game, if you've never played, where everybody in the room gets in, like closes their eyes, and certain people are mafia members, certain people are doctors, certain people are um, sheriffs, and so all the mafia try to kill all the townspeople without, the, without being found out that they're mafia. And so I only had time to play one round because I need to get my sermon done. But I love this game with a passion um, because it's all about lying, which oddly enough, I'm pretty good at. So um, we get into this game and I am a mafia member. I only get one time and I'm like, hey, I only got time for one chance, one round, so I'm gonna play this. And I mean, I had some of our staff wives questioning if they should be on staff here and in ministry because I was so ridiculous. I was yelling, I was shouting, I was in my wife's face being like, I'm not mafia. How could, look at me, Casey, I am not mafia. Don't do this to our marriage, don't do this. Don't I'm totally mafia. And she, I mean, my wife got mad at me that night. Like, she's like, you need to apologize to me. I'm like, hey, I was playing to win. I didn't win, but I was playing to win. She's like, you put our marriage in like that. I'm like, I know I did. I was playing to win. I had one round. Gave it all I had. Still lost. Why are you telling me this? Parents, you got one round. Man, you get one chance. You get one opportunity to be their parent. Win it. Man, live it to win it. Be present. You don't get to check out. You don't get to be too tired to say no. You don't get to be too tired to fight on that hill. You don't get to be too tired and too burned out to check out of your post on that hill. But man, man your post. Be the parent. Do the hard thing now. Bring discipline. Bring no in love so that they can gain a heart of wisdom and understanding and they can become the man and woman of God God wants them to be. No may be some of the hardest things that you have to say, but it will bring some of the most significant growth to your kids if you will do it. You gotta step in because it's not somebody else's role. 
It's not somebody else's place. College student parents, this is your job. I know they're in college, but they still need boundaries and they still need guidance. Man, they still need the stability of home. And let's be the people. Oh, I know discipline's not pleasant at the time, but it produces righteousness and peace for those that go through it. Let's pray today. Lord, we love you. God, I pray today that you would help us. Every single one of us in this place that we would realize we're in spiritual warfare. We're in a spiritual battle. And God, I pray that we would be great students of your word. Because Lord, there's some of us, we're dismissing things that we really need to engage in and check into. Because we want to say it's not a big deal when your word says the exact opposite. That it's a big, huge deal. So Lord, I pray today, speak to every single one of our lives, every single one of our hearts. It's in Jesus' name I pray. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.